MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free! There goes Davis! Oh my god! Davis is going running all the way back! This is VEASAN's College Football Betting Podcast. Welcome in, everyone. Another edition of the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast. It is the Thursday edition, which means Matt Newman's in studio, at Matt Newman's 247 on Twitter. Once again, rate, review, tell a friend, tell lots of friends, subscribe, and uh, we will be with you each and every week, three times a week. The VSIN Lines Revealed show on Sundays with Jonathan Von Tobel. Then the late night edition on Monday night, early Tuesday morning with me and Adam Burke. And then the Thursday breakdown of the card with Matt Newman. So, Matt, I don't want to waste any more time. We got a lot of games to get to. Let's uh, let's pull out that big steak the main course. I know I know that Matt gets mad. He likes the spicy segment more than the main course. No, no, I'm hungry. And <laughs> I just ate like an hour and a half ago. You start talking about food during this podcast, now all I can think about is food. I know, okay. I need some food too. We need to figure out, well, let's uh, let's eat what's in front of us in a game that, that you have a play on and I think probably shouldn't be the site of college game day because I think it would be cool to go to a place like Kansas. But regardless, they're at old Rocky Top for college game day this week and pretty big number i believe matt this is the biggest favorite tennessee has ever been in this rivalry ten and a half is widely available for the vols 62 and a half is the spread a 330 eastern kick on cbs florida at tennessee florida after their impressive week one performance matt lost to kentucky and held on for dear life against south florida so how do you look at this one with the Gators and Vols? 
Florida is 16 and one in the last 17 meetings in this series. And anytime I see a role reversal of uh, this magnitude, and this is a big time role reversal, you're talking about a team. If you want to flip it, has lost 16 of the last 17 in the series, and now is laying double digits for the first time since. Did Brad Powers say 1978? Uh, I didn't hear him say that, but that sounds that sounds like a Powers-Zian uh, statistic. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 11 of those wins by Florida in the last 17 by double digits. Now, obviously, there are reasons to be concerned. I talked about this last week. Anytime you bet an underdog, you're going to have a list of concerns. Sure. Anthony Richardson and the passing game for the Gators is a big concern. Uh, it's, it's crazy if you think about how Florida opened the season with the win over Utah at the Swamp, and there were people talking, Anthony Richardson for Heisman. Mel Kuyper Jr. has Anthony Richardson ranked as his number four quarterback for the NFL draft. Wow. I have some news for you. He has yet to throw a touchdown pass this season. <laughs> he has zero TD passes, three tackles, and four interceptions. Not, not the stat line you want to see from your quarterback. No. And he was held to four yards rushing, uh, the week before last against Texas, he's got 134 on the season. Uh, can the Gators get the passing game going? I'm not sure. There are some fundamental things I'm concerned about in this game. Hendon Hooker has been phenomenal for the Vols. If you go back to when he took over as a starting quarterback, Tim, he's got like 40 TD passes and three picks. It's sick. Uh, but I think the Gators are uh, going to be strong enough on the ground. They're going to be able to run the ball in this game and keep it within the number. The, the handicap to me comes down to an inflated number. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate that saying, we bet numbers, not teams, because I bet numbers and teams. You know, you, you're betting both. Yeah. And what I'm betting on here is a team that's historically been dominant in this series and getting an inflated number. And so I, I took 11 and a half at the South Point with uh, Tennessee. Right now it's, uh, you can find 11. Ten and a half. Uh, you can find 11 most of the week. Yeah. Now it's 10 and a half or 10. Here at Circa, it's 10. But it did top out at 11 and a half at South Point. I believe that was on Tuesday. And uh, it's come down a little bit. But I think Tennessee's power rating is also a little bit inflated, Tim. If you go back to the Pitt game, Pitt was about to run away with that game before the pick in the end zone. It was going to be a 17-0 game. And instead it was 10-7. Before you knew it, and Keaton Slovis went down with an injury. If that doesn't happen, I don't think Tennessee wins that game. Its rating is not so high. I think this number's inflated. All right, so you're rocking with uh, the Gators taking the 10.5. You had 11.5, 10.5, maybe even 11 uh, available out there. I think you might still find 11 by tomorrow because there's going to be so much play on the favorite. You know, you don't want to panic if you right. miss a number because on Saturdays, these numbers move again. Well, and that's the thing, too. And, and you look at a lot of these splits that are put out there early on in the week. Um, a lot of the respected bettors, right? They bet early. The recreational bettors, when you get those lopsided ticket counts, they're firing on Saturdays. Yeah. And that's where I want to get to this next game. You know, to me, this is one of the most fascinating games of the weekend. I don't know if anyone will be able to watch it uh, because it's on the Pac-12 network. But a <laughs> 9:30 Eastern kickoff. You've got USC uh, red hot, three and zero against the spread against Oregon State. Now, I took the seven uh, earlier this week. You could have got as high as 12 and a half this week at wow. Caesars. That's crazy. Uh, which is crazy. We talk about Circa. Uh, they open this game six and a half. 
Uh, it has never gotten north to seven here at Circa. And at time of record on Thursday afternoon, it is five and a half. And I'll tell you this. I was texting with uh, Chris Andrews, our good friend over mm-hmm. at the South Point, And he said early sharp money coming in on Oregon State. But he fully anticipates this is going to be a lopsided ticket count like it was last week in favor of USC, like it was two weeks ago against with USC and Stanford. And USC's 3-0 ATS, they've covered every game by an average of 13 points. But I'll tell you this, Matt, Oregon State's also 3-0 ATS, covering by an average of 14.7 points per game. Look, this offense is absolutely phenomenal for USC, averaging over 50 points per game. Caleb Williams, 74% of his completion uh, completion percentage. Jordan Addison's got five touchdown receptions. Travis Dye is picking up, you know, where he left off at Oregon, averaging almost eight yards per carry. But the defense has a lot of questions. We brought this up last week. I didn't get to the window on Fresno State. I know you didn't either, uh, which was a good thing because Jake Hayner got hurt. But USC defensively, Matt, is allowing 380 yards per game, which is 82nd in the country. And they're allowing 5.2 yards per play. Listen to these juggernauts of offenses they've played. Rice, Stanford, Mm -hmm. and Logan Fife for the most part uh, with Fresno State. Now the defense has been turning teams over like crazy. 10 turnovers. They haven't turned the ball over once. Um, Another little nugget that was pointed out earlier this week, I think, uh, I can't remember who pointed it out, so I apologize for not giving them full credit. But Jonathan Smith and Alex Grinch have faced each other quite a bit. Jonathan Smith was the offensive coordinator at Washington. Alex Grinch was the defensive coordinator at Washington State. Grinch now at USC. Jonathan Smith now the head coach at Washington. Over the three years they played each other, Washington put up 40 points in all three of those games, averaged over 450 yards per game in those games. So Jonathan Smith thrives in the role of as an underdog too. Uh, the Bear, Chris Felica pointed this out on Twitter since 2019. The Beavers, 16-6 and six ATS as an underdog. 10 outright wins. Uh, Luke Musgrave, the big tight end for Oregon State, remains sidelined, which is certainly a worry. As you mentioned, you're betting a dog. There's definitely worries to be had. Like I said, I grabbed the seven. Still sixes out there. I think a six and a half at time of record uh, over at the South Point. Curious to see what this does on Saturday because the public is absolutely going to fire at a favorite under a touchdown like USC. So I'm on Oregon State uh, at at seven. Uh, six, six and a half is still available. Uh, how do you look at this game? I'm not mocking the betting public by saying this because uh, the public has got a lot of these games right. Yeah. And, and- – I think the the percentage the public hits is always exaggerated when uh, when commentators act like they lose all the time. I think the biggest mistake the betting public makes is parlaying a bunch of mm-hmm. games or teasing college football Don't games do and that, things please. like that. Uh, we're not m- managing your money uh, the right <laughs> way. That's uh, a big mistake. But the betting public is going to be – you can write this down, Tim. We knew this basically a couple weeks ago. The betting public is going to be on – USC, Ohio State, and the Buffalo Bills every week. Fair. Every week. Yep. So uh, I'm not sure why I could slow those trains down. Even if the Trojans get upset in Corvallis, I, st- I still think the uh, the public's going to end up riding USC pretty much every week. And all those offensive numbers you talked about are a little bit exaggerated because of the defensive scores USC's had, but the offense probably would have scored anyway if the d- defense didn't score. So uh, USC has played – a schedule so far conducive to uh, putting up big offensive numbers. Now they're going to start playing teams that can actually uh, expose the defense. And uh, that's why 
I'm considering a play on the Beavers here. I don't have it as a best bet right now. I'm probably going to end up on this side. I hate it that Luke Musgrave, one of the best tight yeah. ends in college football, is not going to be out there for Oregon State. I did the Pac-12 previews for the VSIN college football betting guide, and I thought Oregon State's going to be a lot better than people think. you got eight starters back on defense. It's a veteran team. B.J. Baylor, the running back, was the stud on last year's team, and he was going to be missed. I think he just I'm, – I'm surprised – uh, he didn't get more of a look from the NFL. I think he just signed off, signed on with the Falcons practice squad last uh, week. B.J. Baylor rushed for 1,337 yards last the year. The kid Fenwick, though, has actually picked up and, yeah. and run pretty well this year, too. Running backs are replaceable. You can find guys. So Oregon State's offense has been a little bit better than I think, than I expected it to be. I thought the defense was going to be elite. Mm-hmm. Might be, I thought, could be the They've second best. They've actually had a little trouble this year so far. So yeah, the Fres- that's my worry about this game, too. Well, yeah, the Fresno game especially. But that was one of those up-and-down games where it just seemed like whoever had the ball last was going to win. And that's actually what happened. Tim. That is exactly uh, what happened. When, when the clock ran out. Anyway, uh, this is going to be a game where USC's offensive firepower is going to be tested a little bit on the road against a sturdy defense. I like the dog here. I'm going to wait to see if I could get a better number than what's out there. I'm going to get seven. I don't know if I'm going to get it before kickoff, but I can live bet the game. I can do whatever I have to do. I'm going to try to get a better number. I just did not want to take less than seven here with uh, Oregon State. Yeah, and that is uh, that's a fair way to look at it. I was able to grab the seven. Wish I could have got the uh, the 12 and a half at yeah. open uh, at Caesars. All right, a game uh, that you have interest in. Uh, let's head to Jerry's World, a great rivalry in the SEC Arkansas and Texas A&M. This game is a neutral site game at AT AT&T Stadium. Mm -hmm. Texas A&M coming off their win over Miami last week, 17-9. A total of 48.5, Matt. And Sam Pittman in a spot that he loves. He is an underdog here to Texas A&M, catching two against the Aggies. You know what concerns me a little bit? Everybody I've talked to this week likes Arkansas in this game. Everyone. Trendy dog? Even even the smartest guys I talked to this week are on Arkansas. <laughs> everybody everybody likes Arkansas, and I do too. It's one of the first plays that jumped out at me this week. And, you know, A&M's offense has been anemic. That's no secret. Haynes King was not going to be the answer. Max Johnson, far from sensational when he stepped in last week against Miami. Tim for 20, 140 yards. Uh, in that game, AM was outgained by the Hurricanes 392 to 264. You know, it was 17 to 9. I don't think Texas AM really deserved to get the cover in that game, but it did just because. Also, one thing uh, you and I didn't know last week when we taped this podcast, or maybe we did. I can't remember if we talked about it. I think maybe we did know that morning. Xavier Restrepo, the top wide receiver for the Canes. I think you alluded to that. Was ruled out yeah. uh, last week. It was kind of a late week uh, news thing. He he was uh, Tyler Van Dyke's roommate, is his roommate. And that was a big loss for the Miami offense in that game. But there were a lot of people. That was a popular public dog last week was Miami. And it didn't get there against A&M. This week, Arkansas is a hot dog. K.J. Jefferson. 70.5% completion, 770 yards. Raheem Sanders, 440 yards and 6.7 per carry on the ground. I don't think Arkansas is uh, going to be paralyzed by fear facing this Texas A&M defense. It's a legit defense, no doubt about it. you got a bunch of five-star guys over there in the front seven. But Arkansas can move the ball against these guys. The weakness for the Razorbacks, Tim, without a doubt, is pass defense. But can Texas A&M exploit that weakness? You would think probably not. Uh, so I still like Arkansas here. I was on the Hogs in this game last year. They were getting four and a half. 
This year they're getting two and a half. I'm going to play the Hogs again. I think uh, Sam Pittman's team is strong enough on the offensive line. They can run the ball well enough to get the win here. I What'd you say the total is? 48 and a half? 48 and a half. That seems a little bit high. It does. I mean, Texas A&M, we've seen them so far this year. What's 14 points against App State, 17 last week against Miami. Right. So uh, we'll see uh, see what happens there. It's not the lowest total on the board. Uh, that would be Rutgers and Iowa, uh, which I believe is at 34 and a half. Absolutely fascinating game. It it's, is. It's tremendous. We're, gonna get, we're actually going to get to that. I put okay. that on the rundown here off the radar games. Last one here for the main course. You mentioned hot dogs. I don't know if a hot dog's a main course, but uh, the last one of this main course. Eight... It is. <laughs> I'm joking. On the George Foreman grill. At a, what? <laughs> Matt Humans, you fascinate me so All much. Right. All right, final game uh, here in our main course. Number five, Clemson, on the road at number 21, Wake Forest. Uh, Wake Forest uh, needed to stop a two-point conversion against Liberty to hold on and beat uh, the Flames last week, 37-36, in a, in a clear uh, look-ahead spot. Uh, we talk about bet regrets. I pointed that game out. Did not play Liberty. Was very upset with myself seeing mm-hmm. that final score come across. So now you got Clemson and Wake Forest. Um, I, you know, you and I are, are similar to an extent where we don't love playing favorites. You know, favorites are, um, you know, usually you, you see a, a cheap favorite. You think it's an easy victory. <laughs> this is that spot. But I really have a hard time, Matt, envisioning how Wake Forest keeps this game close with the strength of this Clemson team being the defensive line. And then I think back to last year when Clemson was as gettable as maybe ever, two losses in conference play, three regular season losses. And what happened when Clemson played Wake Forest late in the season? Clemson beat them by three touchdowns. Uh, This was pointed out on Twitter Dave Clawson took over at Wake Forest in 2014. In the first quarter against Clemson since 2014, the Deeks have been outscored 100 to 10. And that lone touchdown came in 2014. Sounds like we should bet Clemson first quarter. It feels like it would be. First quarter, first half. Wait Clemson, I, the the worries are offensively, obviously yeah. with uh, with DJ there. Um, I think the offensive, the defensive line can can take uh, Wake Forest to task. Uh, I did lay seven with Clemson. I don't love that this game has not moved off that number. It got to seven and a half at circa midweek, bought back right down. So I don't know if it'll be official best bet here on the podcast, but it's Clemson or pass. I personally have played Clemson at the seven, even though you'd think Wake Forest home dog would be right up our alley. Let's be real. This is going to be 50% at least Clemson fans in Winston-Salem on Saturday. Uh, no doubt about it. Now, actually, late last season's when that Clemson offense started to wake up, and that was after the Tigers failed to cover their first seven games last year. They caught Wake caught Clemson at a bad time when uh, the Tigers finally started to move the ball and score points. I, I only like three or four favorites on the card this week. Uh, I say four. I like four favorites on the card, and Clemson is one. I think this is a, a game where Clemson wins by double digits, and uh, – the defense is going to be the main reason why. And defense is probably going to create some opportunities for the offense in this game, too. I I still question whether DJ is going to be the long-term answer and I if agree. there's going to be a quarterback switch in the near future for the Tigers. But I do like Clemson in this game. All right, that's going to wrap up the main course. But that means we're going to get to those uh, those matchups that, that Matt Humans likes oh so much. Spicy matchups. All right, Matt. 
as you, uh, I'm sure, polished off some spicy nuggets uh, earlier today on your way in. I did not. Uh, Noon kickoff at the big house. Michigan has played this murderer's row to start the season. Colorado State, (laughs) Hawaii, and last week against the mighty UConn Huskies. Mm. But I do think this Michigan team is the real deal. I think offensively, Matt, uh, they've got some pieces uh, that makes them better than they certainly were last year. Ronnie Bell is back. I think J.J. McCarthy certainly an upgrade over Cade McNamara. Maryland in this spot, I know they were catching some money early, open 20 at Circa, bet all the way down to 16, now sits at 17. The issue about backing Maryland here in this spot, Matt, is that we've seen them in this role before get their absolute doors blown off. So sure. I'm off this game. Uh, I have a Maryland win total over five and a half. I happen to think that Michigan has a real good shot of being 11-0 heading into uh, the shoe on Thanksgiving weekend. Mm -hmm. Pass for me. Uh, Curious to see Michigan play against a team with an actual pulse. And Maryland, shout out to them. A good win last weekend over SMU. Yeah, it's uh, rare when Mike Loxley picks up good wins, but he got one a week ago. You're right about that. (laughs) And that game was lower scoring than a lot of people thought. Yeah, 34-27, well under the total. There was a lot of sharp money over the total of 72 in that game last week, and it didn't get there. Uh, I'll make this quick. Uh, I have very little interest. I don't like to bet on Loxley, and uh, I'm not going to bet on the Terps in this spot. There was a spot last year, Matt. I think it was a Friday night. In College Park, Iowa was oh, laying Iowa like, destroyed. Iowa was laying six, and everybody, including yours truly, was on Maryland. I think they won like 38 nothing, 45 3. I think it definitely hurt Maryland. To, it turned the ball over about seven yeah. times. And, yeah. Iowa, and then Iowa scored like six times off turnovers. That was when Iowa was ascending Tim to the phony number two ranking in the country. They sure were. Uh, that was uh, a, and then they lost to yeah. Purdue. That's right. That was a great spot to back uh, the Boilermakers. All right, another spicy matchup. Big 12 also at noon, ESPN2. Uh, 17th-ranked Baylor against a surprising, undefeated Iowa State Cyclones team. So maybe this is the role that Matt Campbell likes to be in. He doesn't like the pressure of having Brees Hall and Brock Purdy and Kolar uh, like he did last year where they completely underachieved. This year they've been off the radar Beat Iowa 10-7 to in that ugly game. So Iowa State at home this week against uh, against Baylor. And they're laying two and a half. There's been some backing in the market uh, on the Cyclones. I believe on Sunday here at Circa, this game opened Baylor minus one and is now sitting Iowa State minus two and a half. I do not have a play on this game, do you? I do not. Yeah, this is a tough one for me to read. And... Uh... I think if I had to play it, I'd probably play the Baylor Bears. In fact, uh, last year, this is one of those games that went right down to the wire. It was a two-point game, 31-29. to 29, And I wouldn't be surprised uh, if you see the same type of game here. So if, in a, what I consider to be a coin flip type game, I would take the points. But uh, I'd probably wait to see if you could get a three with the Bears on the road. Uh, no strong opinion here. We're going to get to a game that you do have a strong opinion on here. I do like Dave Aranda better than Matt Campbell. I, and I know that Campbell's getting a lot of hype for some of these coaching yeah. vacancies, including the Nebraska job. I would tap the brakes a little bit on that. I'm not sure Matt Campbell is a real deal. Uh, I think he's a pretty good coach for, hey, let's face it, he's done a great job at Iowa State, right? But does that mean he could go into Nebraska, turn things around? Would you want uh, Matt Campbell as your coach at Notre Dame? Nope. Probably not. Uh, I Even think, though right now, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
not saying there's an opening in Notre Dame yet. <laughs> not uh, but... yet. Hopefully, hopefully not for a while. We'll get to Notre Dame too here in just a minute. But uh, Pac-12 is a conference that that you keep a close eye on. We talked about the Oregon State USC game. Uh, how about Washington State at home? Three and zero, and I, I want to say there was a stat out there that Washington State is the first team to be unranked after a three and zero start with a win over a top twenty team on the road. They mm-hmm. beat uh, Wisconsin, so Washington State at home, and uh, they're catching a touchdown here at Circa at time of record against Oregon. Is this a, a little bit of a letdown spot, Matt, in your eyes for Oregon? Oregon, very impressive last week. Uh, put it on BYU. So uh, Washington State catching a touchdown at home against the Ducks. Well, I think Washington State's for real. I was on a, uh, a podcast before the season, and I actually made a – I mentioned that, hey, what, this Washington State team betting over the season win total is not a bad idea. This team could be better than people think. And uh, the other two guys on the podcast scoffed. <laughs> oh, no, that, they're going to stink. Okay. Um, I think Washington State is a lot better than people think. And uh, Cam Ward and mm-hmm. that offense getting that, better. Uh, that they brought over from Incarnate Word, I thought was going to be kind of like the wild card. If that offense, you would think, is going to work in the Pac-12 against some of those weak defenses, the Washington State had a chance to put up some numbers. Uh, it's not like the Husky, or excuse me, the Cougars – put up numbers in that win at Wisconsin. They won that game, what, 17-14, to I think, right? So it was the defense that's been surprisingly good for Washington State. And um, I like this team. And I have since the preseason. Uh, I did not think that the Cougars were going to go to Madison and beat Wisconsin. I'm not even going to pretend I thought that was going to happen. But it did. And uh, I think the home dog should be live here. It's not on my card, Tim, and I'll tell you why. Because last week – I've liked this BYU team a lot. And it's a very mature BYU team. One of the had top five, I think, in terms of uh, returning production this year in the nation. There's no way BYU should have gone on the road and gotten destroyed by Oregon the way it did last week. So that tells me maybe this Oregon team is on a on an uptick. And I, I lost that game last week. I had BYU as a small bet. I was a little bit hesitant. Because I, you see those three and a half point dogs, and you sometimes just stayed like there too. Yeah, <laughs> just you stayed feel like there. You're stepping into a trap, you know, as a better, you're like, is this a trap? I'm stepping. <laughs> yep, sure was. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I think the Oregon Ducks uh, might have uh, found their groove a little bit over the last two weeks. So I'm, I'm going to stay away from. And this I'll game. say this, Matt, with uh, you know Bo Nix, we talked about home Bo Nix versus road Bo Nix. Mm-hmm. Um, this is at the Palouse. I really wish this was late night. I think uh, would give it a little more juice there. Sure. Uh, in in Pullman, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I always it, prefer the the home dog to be playing a night game. Yeah, get that crowd yeah. a little extra lubricated. This right. is gonna be a one o'clock local kick uh, up there. Cam Ward, by the way, I know Colorado State is, uh, as some would say, a tomato can. They're not very good. Uh, but Cam Ward, four touchdowns last week. Uh, did get sacked four times. So. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see if uh, that Oregon defense uh, continues to uh, to get after the quarterback with Dan Lanning there in his first year after coming over from Georgia yep. as their D.C. So that number sitting at 7, uh, a 4 o'clock Eastern kick, 1 o'clock local, that game on Fox. A game that you do have a play on, and you mentioned the public is always going to side with USC, the Buffalo Bills, and the Ohio State Buckeyes, and Ohio State threw up a 77 spot yeah, uh, last Toledo. week against the uh, mighty Toledo Rockets. Uh, I found this interesting. 
Um, despite having less than 400 yards in week one, Ohio State is still leading the country mm-hmm. in yards per game. Granted, they just, I think, had 700-plus yards against uh, You see a lot of phony numbers against Toledo. early no, in the season. It's, of- it's hard, Matt, to really put a lot of stock in these early season mm-hmm. numbers. you got to look at who teams have played. Uh, but Jackson Smith and Dig- Jigba did return. Uh, Fleming did return. Travion Henderson is still nicked up, though. Yeah. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. So Ohio State in this spot uh, is uh, is laying a big old number right now 19. at time of record up to 19, Matt, yeah. on this spot. I, I didn't take the best number here. I took 18. And uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to take more at 19. If it gets to 20, I'll take a little <laughs> bit more. Uh, but not a big difference between 18 and 19, you would think. So I, I do have 18 with the Badgers. Tim, my handicap to this is very similar to the Notre Dame-Ohio State game when I took the, the points with the Irish. Took yeah, 17, great call. 17 and a half with the Irish. And I said, on my numbers, I made that line 12 that week. Uh, guess what my numbers made the line this week in this game? 12. 12 and a half. There you go. So not far off. And yeah... I realize that early in the season, my numbers are not going to be as strong as they are later. So I don't, I'm not a prisoner of what I have down on paper necessarily. But I, I did think there was enough value here to play the Badgers. And I do think they're built uh, as the type of dog that can give the Buckeyes some trouble. Yeah, you look at those numbers, you referenced the uh, 700 yards against Toledo. The Buckeyes are great at playing the bully role. Mm-hmm. They take these bad teams like they have the last couple of weeks in Arkansas State and Toledo. Roll up huge numbers, uh, you know, points per game, yards per game, stuff like that doesn't mean anything to me at this point. If you watched the Ohio State-Notre Dame game, the Irish were a little bit stronger, I thought, on the offensive and defensive lines. They were able to hold their own despite not getting much out of the quarterback that day. They they hung in the game. Yeah. And not only hung in, in the, the game. in the third quarter. Yeah, they led uh, in the second half and were in pretty good uh, position. With the Badgers here, you got two of the best running backs in the Big Ten, Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi. Those guys have 485 yards combined. Graham Mertz off to a better start. He's gained some confidence here. 71% completions, which is unheard of for Graham Mertz. Six TDs, two picks, but that's against Illinois State, Washington State, and New Mexico State. So it doesn't really mean a whole lot to me. I just think what the Buckeyes can do here when you uh, break down the fundamental matchup I think they can run the ball on this Ohio State defense. Mertz just needs to make a couple of throws to to prevent the Buckeyes from putting eight or nine guys in the box. Which is sometimes worrisome. (laughs) I know. know. (laughs) As you said, when you bet a dog, there's always concerns. And Mertz would be that guy. But the Buckeyes or the Badgers are the type of physical team that can run the ball, that can give the Buckeyes some trouble because they can take the air out of the ball, kind of control the clock a little bit, keep that offense out of rhythm on the sideline like the Irish were able to do at times in that game. And keep it within this huge number. I'm not talking about Wisconsin winning the game. I'm saying we're staying within 18, 19 points here. Uh, I like the Badgers. I think this number is inflated. Yeah, I think I'm I think, one of those idiots who's going to bet against Ohio State and USC too much, probably. <laughs> well, I, I, look, I, I bet uh, we already talked about it. I'm on Oregon State, so uh, we could come back next week and they get lit up by 30, and here we are again. So uh, the biggest thing to me, like you mentioned, I think the run game. Uh, Notre Dame was not able to run the ball with a ton of success against uh, against the Buckeyes. 30 carries for 76 yards. Right. Uh, so Braylon Allen is is better than any running back Notre Dame has. Uh, so if, if Wisconsin's able to get the ground game going to keep this thing uh, in, in a shot. Notre Dame did find shot. a way to move the sticks 
you know, little screen passes. Got the ball out to Tyree. Uh, got the ball out to Mayer a little bit more. Tommy Reese had some, I think, offensive play calling creativity in that game just to keep the sticks moving a little bit and keep the Irish in control to where they were not getting dominated on time of possession. Because you can't do that. You can't have three and outs at Ohio State. It'll be an avalanche. There's going to be, uh, I believe I saw a blackout there in uh, in Columbus mm-hmm. on Saturday night. So a night game there. Night game in Norman, uh, Kansas State. Uh, one of my uh, one of my best bets last week was Tulane. Thought this was a look ahead spot for K State. Didn't think didn't think they'd win outright, uh, and they sure did. Uh, Tulane's defense was able to bottle up uh, Deuce Vaughn just eighty one yards Man, on twenty surprising. carries. Adrian Martinez, they're they're afraid to let him throw the ball, but I do wonder, Matt, and I I know the way you think this could be that buy low opportunity on Kansas State and even sell high on Oklahoma. What did people see last? Oklahoma thumps Nebraska. It's not even a, a close contest. Now you've got Oklahoma laying 12. The market has gone from 14 down to 12. K-State uh, a dog you like here? I do like K-State, and um, I have not played this one yet. I, I think you're going to be able to grab 13 again by tomorrow. When it was sitting at 12 and a half, I deci- finally decided last night that I like this game. I was wavering on K-State early in the week. I was just... The more you look at Adrian Martinez, you wonder if he can get it done. And uh, I thought with Chris Kleiman in a, in a new atmosphere, a change of scenery, new offense, that he was going to be better. He has really not been better. And uh, that loss to Tulane last week was very disappointing. When you've got Deuce Vaughn in the backfield, this should open things up. You should be able to throw the ball. I thought the Oklahoma offense for the first time this season exploded last week. Is that more of an indictment of the Nebraska defense? I mean, that's a home Probably. dog. Nebraska was up 7-0 in that game. The right, Dylan right Gabriel the touchdown run. I mean, it was yeah. just like, excuse me. Oh, I'm just going to walk into the end zone. Yeah, I mean, sick. it was it was a it was great too, run, but it was it was embarrassing tackling uh, by easy. Nebraska. Way too easy. And previous to that, the Oklahoma offense had not looked that good the previous week against Kent State. And uh, I, I, I put recent series history as a priority when I handicapped this game because Chris Kleiman in three attempts against Oklahoma is 2-1. and one. He's been a dog all three times, and the, and the loss was last year, Tim, as a 12.5-point home dog lost by six. He actually beat Oklahoma 38-35 to 35 on the road as a 27-point dog in 2020, <laughs> and he uh, beat Oklahoma as a 23-point dog at home 48-41 to 41 in 2019. That's pretty impressive. And I think a lot of times the K-State side is more dangerous as a dog anyway. And Oklahoma off the big win over Nebraska, where I think this number got a little bit inflated. I'm going to tell you, I made the number in this game. Uh, actually, I made the number 11. So it's not that inflated. But uh, I'll grab, Public's going to come in on Oklahoma. Yeah, I'll grab 13 tomorrow when I can get it with K-State. All right, that's another night game, a late-night game. You and I love these late-night games. Uh, head into Seattle, Washington, very impressive last week, covering the number, uh, almost a backdoor situation with Michigan State. Uh, for anyone who backed the Huskies, uh, you were fortunate. I laid the two early in the week uh, and uh, was very impressed by Washington. But this is uh, maybe a an opportunity to to sell a little high. Our good friend and colleague, Wes Reynolds, uh, wrote it up, vcin.com. He's taking the points with Stanford. I took a little crack at Stanford early on this week. I wouldn't say it was a one of my favorite plays. I didn't write it up for the website, but took the 14, which is still available at, at multiple spots uh, around uh, town and, and across the country. Stanford at Washington here. Um, Washington, I took a – Matt, they do not play USC – 
and they do not play Utah this year. Right. So I took a 12-1 to 1 bite on them this week uh, at Caesars in town that they would just be here in Vegas, and then you can, if you're in a 12-1, to 1, you could, you know, hedge off uh, certainly with uh, with the other side. Michael Penix has looked really, really good in Kalen DeBoer's offense. Kalen DeBoer uh, just continues to excel wherever he goes, whether it be Eastern Michigan, Fresno, Indiana, back to Fresno now as the head coach of Washington. But is this too much on Washington to be laying 14 at some spots against Stanford? Give me the Stanford and the 14 points. Uh, I'm taking it here. In fact, I, had a, I made a small bet early in the week. I'm plus 13. So I'll bet more here on plus 14. In 2020, Stanford was a 12-and-a-half-point dog in Seattle and won that game 31-26. to 26. Now, this is a different story with Kalen DeBoer as head coach. Obviously, much better situation for Washington. He was a great hire. Michael Penix has got 1,079 passing yards, 10-to-1 TD-to-INT ratio so far. And uh, this Huskies team is going to be better than I thought in the preseason, even though I did like the DeBoer hire. I wasn't sure if Penix was going to – going to take off in the offense this quickly, but he has. I really like the Tanner McKee-EJ Smith combo for Stanford. And don't forget, in that 41-28 loss to USC, Stanford coughed up two fumbles inside the 10-yard line. Yep. And also the Cardinal have had two weeks off to prep for this game, Tim, which I also like. That's another angle I like here. They had a bye last week, two weeks to prep for this Washington game. Huskies off a uh, big win over Michigan State. I think the situation, the matchup, uh, both set up pretty well for uh, Stanford. 3.30 Eastern, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. UNC off a bye, 3-0. and Get the mighty Notre Dame Fighting Irish fresh off of a thrilling 24-17 win over the mighty Cal Golden Bears. Uh, this line has been interesting to me. Uh, open pick at Circa, then quickly got bet Notre Dame minus two. Then flipped to UNC minus two. Then back to pick. And as of right now, we sit UNC is a small favor, which I think is probably right. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting. You know, Danny Burke wrote it up for VEASAN.com. I understand his side. He said, lay it with uh, with UNC here or take a short money line price. Danny also played Nebraska over its season win total. <laughs> I had to give bust him a little bit on that one. <laughs> I, look, <laughs> He's I, a Nebraska I'm not, fan. I'm huh? not completely innocent. I may have taken a plus 350 uh, flyer on them to win the the, uh, the Big Ten West in Nebraska. Uh, I don't know what to think of this game. I mentioned this earlier this week with Adam Burke. I wouldn't touch this game with a, with a 30-foot pole. I, I just think it seems a little too easy to just assume that North Carolina, who has uh, was – Life and death with Georgia State. I mean, I watched that entire game. They were losing in the fourth quarter to Georgia State. Is just going to come out and roll the Irish. They do have electric offense. Josh Downs is back, which is huge. 142 yards last year against Notre Dame uh, on the road at South Bend. Uh, Obviously, May has been a fantastic quarterback. But I thought I saw something in that second half, Matt, from Notre Dame. You finally saw push up front with the offensive line that had been disappointing for two and a half games. You saw... Tommy Reese maybe figure out something with Drew Pine, who has a ton of limitations. So uh, I'm curious your thoughts. I'm not touching this game, uh, but I think it – I'll just say this. I don't think it's as easy as some people think that UNC is just going to roll out of bed and smoke the Irish in Chapel Hill. (laughs) Uh, There was a glimmer of uh, hope in your eyes last week. There was, a little little bit. Fourth quarter of that game. (laughs) I'm I'm disappointed in uh, the Irish – a week ago, I thought they could play bully ball and mm-hmm. run it right over Cal and control that game. And, Tim, they were lucky to win. Irish uh, lucky to win that game by seven last week against a Cal team 
that was uh, struggling to beat UNLV in Berkeley hey, the previous UNLV, week. though. Huh? UNLV, yeah, pretty okay. good. All right, let's not get carried away. <laughs> Rebels are not going to go to South Bend to beat the Irish. And if they do, Marcus Freeman's going to be out of a job. Yes, that uh, is a fair way to look at that. But this is a tough handicap for me. I made the, the line North Carolina two and a half, but I'm not crazy about it. I think uh, this is going to be one of those games that's going to be decided late by a field goal. And... Uh, I don't think I want to be on either side yeah. right now. A pass on, a pass little, on me. I've downgraded the Irish a little bit since, you know, the first game against Ohio State, I was optimistic about what I could see a lot of people from Notre were. Dame. And I've lost a lot of that optimism over the past couple of weeks. And I thought Tyler Buckner would be a quarterback with a higher ceiling than Drew Pine. But who knows? Uh, the Irish got a chance to circle the wagons and get, thing to, get things together, but I'm not going to bet on it. Yeah, I think this is a, a – for the long term of the season, for Marcus Freeman's – I don't want to say Freeman's job security, but a win here going into a bye before they come out to Vegas to play BYU would turn a, th- a lot of things around, so we'll see. But uh, a pass for me on this game. Last one here on the spicy matchups. You know, Texas Tech is hosting Texas. Uh, Quinn Ewers is going to travel – uh, with the team to Lubbock. Uh, I thought Texas, uh, we talked about this game. I was impressed that they were able to uh, to run away and hide from UTSA at home. Mm-hmm. But now you're going on the road. You're playing uh, a, a Texas Tech team that lost by 13, didn't cover. But Matt, if you look inside that box score yeah. against NC State, they outgained the Wolfpack. They had four turnovers. They completely shot themselves in the foot. Donovan Smith threw, uh, threw two interceptions in that game they lost a fumble uh so i think this is a spot where i i would just say the longhorns should be should be a should be on alert here against uh, against the Red Raiders. Uh, this game up to seven now, so certainly some backing in the market. Uh, I would contemplate taking the Red Raiders at seven against Texas here. Contemplate it, Tim. Contemplate it uh, overnight and see what you think. Uh, maybe by Friday, Saturday, you'll end up on the side, and I might too. I might take the, the home dog in Lubbock. I think Joey McGuire is a coach on the rise. Uh, like you said, with, with Donovan Smith, a quarterback, you're going to get some volatility, uh, the highs and lows. But I'm not sure the Texas should be laying this number in Lubbock. And um, Texas, by the way, has had – the last couple of weeks have had some uh, highly emotional games. Mm-hmm. And I think this might be one of those where the Red Raiders are up for this game a little bit more than the Longhorns are. And it could be a good spot for the home dog. I'm trying to look uh, – See what I made the number. I actually made Texas six and a half, so uh, not a big not a big difference here. But I think the the spot sets sets up better for Texas Tech. All right, let's wrap things up. Going a little off the radar. All right, we'll run through these games quickly. Uh, some intriguing games and a couple plays that I have, Matt. Uh, TCU at SMU. No no play for me, but I think this is a fascinating game. Um, Adam Burke, our colleague. Uh, thought that this might be a letdown spot last week for uh, for SMU on the road uh, against Maryland. I thought SMU uh, missed an opportunity to win that game, as you mentioned, uh, against uh, against Maryland. So this is a noon kickoff. It's going to be a sellout in Dallas. Uh, SMU is a two-point home dog. This is the Sonny Dykes Bowl, as Sonny Dykes was the head coach of SMU last year. He flips over to TCU. Um no play for me here. Uh, fascinated to watch it. One of the highest totals, Matt, you'll see on the board at 71 mm-hmm. at some spots between TCU and 
SMU. No play for me either. If I did play it, it would be over the total. And then uh, let's jump to Minnesota and Michigan State. Minnesota got some poor news. They lost uh, their top wide receiver this year for the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, 3.30 Eastern kickoff at Michigan State. Too much love in the market for Minnesota. Michigan State looked awful in prime time. Uh, I just don't know if Michigan State is there this year. We talked about it last week. Uh, he, there's no Kenneth Walker walking through that door right now. But Michigan State catching three against Minnesota at home. I think JVT, Jonathan Von Tobel, he was on uh, VEASAN primetime last night. He likes the dog a little bit here at home in Michigan State. I do, too, a little bit. And you and I talked about it last week. I really didn't understand why guys were going to the window on the Spartans last week. I think the Spartans team significantly uh, regressed from last year, and Kenneth Walker's absence is a big deal. And that, that's a tough trip to Seattle to go out there and play that game uh, against a, a much-improved Washington team. So I don't, I don't downgrade Michigan State off what I saw last week, Tim, because I didn't have the Spartans rated that highly to begin with. How much can you make out of Minnesota uh, playing this week early season schedule? You talked about Michigan's schedule. Uh, you talk about UCLA's week non-conference huh. schedule. Minnesota, uh, P.J. Fleck does this every year. It gets a little tired. They played Colorado. Huh? Come oh, on. Oh, yeah, New Mexico State, Western <laughs> Illinois. Why are you scheduling Western Illinois? New Mexico State, <laughs> Western Illinois, and Colorado, which is at rock bottom right now. Oh. Sorry, Mike Pritchard. By the uh, way. But the Buffaloes uh, are just a, we, a complete can we, embarrassment. Can we pat ourselves on the back yet for the under three and a half total, or we have to wait until – am I mushing it? Um, because I saw one sports book have a adjusted win total of 0.5 for the Buffs. Well, let's put it this way. I never do this, but I've already chalked it up as a win. <laughs> I'm just happy, Matt. Uh, I chalked that up as a win, and I chalked Fresno State over as a loss. Right. Jay Kaner's yeah, injury. Maybe huh? he comes back. He might come back, but I don't think Fresno. It's All right. Uh, I don't know if this is this game is becoming a trendy dog. I wrote it up for the website. I took so the, anyway, I'm no, tem- yeah. I'm tempted to play the Spartans here plus three, but I don't I don't know if I'm going to get there. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, a game that might be uh, considered a trendy dog. I've seen a lot of people uh, take it. I, I just think situationally, what does Appalachian State have left in the tank, oh, Matt? Man. My goodness, 63-61 uh, marathon against North Carolina in, on Labor Day weekend, they lose. They go to Texas A&M. They bully a top-10 team in Texas A&M. They come back home. College game day is their reward. Mm-hmm. They win on a Hail Mary against Troy. They oh, rush boy. the field. What is left in the tank for App State? James Madison, a lot of people didn't know what to expect this year. They lost a lot of talent from an FCS team that was the runner-up to North Dakota State last year. All they did, Matt, week one was go out as a five-point favorite and beat Middle Tennessee by 37. Middle Tennessee followed that up with a 15-point win as a 14-point underdog against Colorado State. Now, Colorado State, not very good. However, uh, James Madison coming off a bye. App State, three emotionally charged games back-to-back-to-back. I took the seven and a half earlier this week. I wrote it up for the website. I took the seven with James Madison. Maybe it's a trendy dog. Maybe they're not ready to uh, face the elite of the elite in the Sun Belt, which App State is a uh, a top tier Sun Belt program. But I think situationally, it's James Madison here. So uh, I'll take the seven with the Dukes here in this spot. It's the situational spot of the week, Tim. Yeah. It is. And uh, James Madison's becoming a very popular play with a lot of people, and uh, I'm going to be on this too. I think you talked me into it. Uh, you and uh, Doug Kazarian from ESPN. Doug's playing a dog? He's playing a dog. Wow. He's, uh, 
I don't know what to think about that. I know. It's a little bit scary. <laughs> uh, you but mentioned. Anyway, this, yeah. this is a great situational spot. And this is a pretty good James Madison team yeah. off two blowout wins. And uh, the App State Hail Mary, for those who might be too young to remember, was a lot like the Billy White Shoes, Johnson, Hail Mary, in the Falcons 49ers game in the early 80s. Have you ever seen a highlight? I have of, seen that, where yeah. he catches a ball at like the five-yard line and has to run it. Yeah. That, that's what the App State thing. Steve Fezzik mentioned that on Twitter last week, and it reminded me of that. That was a, that was a classic. you, you got to wonder, like you said, what are the Mountaineers having to tank after uh, three – Crazy games like that, Tim. All right, a couple more games, and we'll we'll let uh, we'll get out of here with our best bet recap. Iowa Rutgers, Piscataway under the lights, Matt. Number seven and a half. Iowa did cover after uh, sitting out what three lightning delays against Nevada last that week. That was wild. Ooh, twenty-seven wild. to nothing. Um, Iowa now laying north of a touchdown, uh, eight actually at Circa at time of record. But the everything anyone could talk about is the total. There are some 34s out there, Matt, with this game. Iowa and Rutgers, I believe the lowest total, I want to say, I want, I, I want to say like 20 plus years is, uh, is this game in college football. Iowa Rutgers. I got to tell How you. How low will it go? It's the limbo. I don't know. When you see a total, uh, that low, I'm tempted I'm actually tempted to play this over. And that's because Iowa could get a couple defensive scores. Who knows? There's crazy things can happen here. It's always when something looks too obvious, you want you want to doubt it and uh, look into it and investigate it a little bit further. And I wouldn't be surprised if this game goes over the total. You know what's crazy about that weather delay in Iowa City last week is every time the teams came back from the lightning delay, Iowa was trying to score and Nevada was not. Nevada didn't give a damn. It was just... <laughs> Get Three us out, out of here. punt, let's get, get us out, out of here, here. get the game over with, and the Hawkeyes kept trying to score. They knew what the spread was. <laughs> they like, knew what it was. It was. It was like Kirk Ferentz was trying to cover, <laughs> I think. Oh, I After seven points against South Dakota State, he said, we got to score some points against Nevada. It was a little bit sickening if you had the dog in that game Ooh. because uh, Iowa was doing everything it could to cover, and Nevada was doing nothing. I, I don't know. This, I'm not going to have a play here because it looks like a trap. You wonder – can Iowa even score 10 points? Seriously. <laughs> and uh, maybe a little bit of a look ahead. Michigan comes to Kinnick next week, but. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. That, what's the Michigan number going to be? I, I'd make it right now. Michigan 10. Oof. Huh? On the road. Laying 10. It's Iowa. Are you going to take the 10? No. Hell no. <laughs> no. God, no. No way. What you seen from Iowa so far? No. I mean, it's got to be. I think it's double digits. I think the, it probably will be. I think it's probably double digits in Iowa City next week. But uh, what you what you look at here is uh, the Rutgers offense was so bad a week ago. It's, anybody who watched Rutgers last week is not going to want to take the points with the Scarlet Knights here. It's just something tells me this game's going to turn out differently than the handicap. The handicap looks too obvious, doesn't it? It, it does. Um, Duke, Kansas, battle of unbeatens. Uh, how, uh, how much stock are you putting into Kansas right now? Jalen Daniels is the real deal. He's an impressive quarterback, and uh, I know uh, right now Nebraska fans are drooling, hoping that uh, Lance Leipold is the next head coach of uh, of the Cornhuskers. They're laying seven, and uh, Matt, this is the second sellout in the last two decades in Lawrence mm-hmm. to watch a football game as the Blue Devils come to town. A battle of unbeatens, and the Jayhawks are laying seven. Would have been a great matchup in the Final Four. It really would have. Uh, I have no play on this game, by the way. Lance Leipold's going to get a big job, by the way. If you can win at Kansas, you can win anywhere. You can even win at Nebraska. And he has ties in Nebraska, so I would be... meet those high expectations in Lincoln. I I think he's got to be the front runner for that job. Would you 
if I ask you right now, would you hire Urban Meyer or Lance Leipold for that job? Who would you take? Uh, I'd take Lance Leipold. Yeah, I think a lot of people would answer the same thing. Uh, so as far as the Jayhawks go here, now, Tim, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle this. They're going from the role of being underdogs and disrespected mm-hmm. to all of a sudden being favorites and a lot of media hype and things people like that. People saying game day should have been there this weekend. Yeah. It's I a different role. That. New life. Yeah, it's it's a totally different role. So that's why I'm not laying the points this week. I want to see how Kansas favors or handles this uh, different role of uh, being the favorite, and uh, I'm going to stay away. All right, my last uh, last game, my last play, I'm taking the points with Southern Miss. Uh, I had Tulane last week. Now Tulane laying 13, situational spot. This is a rivalry, but Tulane uh, opens AAC play, uh, Matt, next week on a Friday at Houston. Uh, Tulane feeling themselves, certainly after an impressive win against Kansas State. There's uh, there's familiarity. Uh, mm-hmm. Southern Miss's head coach, uh, is uh, was the former OC at at um, at uh, Tulane when these two teams last played, uh, and uh, I think Hall uh, Will Hall, the Southern Miss head coach, uh, will have some things up his sleeves. Uh, a little surprised that Ty Keys has lost the starting role, but they're rolling with a true freshman. But uh, Ty Keys is expected to play. They have a good running back in Frank Gore Jr. I think Southern Miss yeah. keeps this game close. Uh, I'll take the 13 uh, with the Golden Eagles in a rivalry game. It's the battle for the bell, Matt. The battle for the bell between these uh, between these two teams. All right, that's going to do it uh, for us. Let's uh, wrap up the show like we always do with our Best Bets Recap. Best Bet Recap. All right, Matt, I'll roll through mine real quick. Uh, as just mentioned, Southern Miss plus the 13 on the road at Tulane. Uh, earlier this week, I took Oregon State plus the 7. Uh, can I still get it here? I mentioned it on my show. Is it, is it allowed? Get, might be able to get it by tomorrow. All so right, let's say so, I'm, I'm going to have a same play. So let's put a qualifier on this. Uh, Oregon State is a play at plus 7. All right. James okay. Madison plus the 7. And then uh, I'll lay the chalk. I'll lay the seven with Clemson. So those are my four plays. Southern Miss plus 13, Oregon State plus seven, JMU plus seven, and Clemson minus seven. Matt, your plays officially are? Uh, Florida plus 11, Arkansas plus two and a half, K-State at 13 or better. You got to get at least 13 in that one. Stanford at plus 14. And uh, I did not get the best number here, so I'll, I'll play it at the number I bet it. Whiskey, plus 18 against Ohio State. And also that Oregon State play is a conditional bet. If you can get seven, the Beavers are a play. And then Adam Burke uh, is riding with Texas, laying the chalk, so a little bit different than us. Uh, he laid six and a half uh, earlier this week. Akron, Liberty, under 57. Uh, Liberty will be without their uh, backup quarterback who's taken over the starter role. He's laying the three with Marshall and then laying 12 with Memphis against North Texas. Marshall is playing Troy. All right, that's going to do it. Enjoy the weekend. Once again, Jonathan Von Tobel with the Lions Revealed show, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, live on VEASAN and then in the College Football Betting Podcast feed. For Matt Humans. I'm Tim Murray. We'll talk to you uh, next week. Have yourself a winning weekend.